It is uh, one year since we uh, had our last in-person meeting before we were shut down uh, by the uh, outbreak of COVID-19. And what uh, that showed us when we uh, did um, uh, have to shut down is that the internet has done us a huge favour, hasn't it? It's made connection with others so easy. Uh, can you imagine going through COVID-19 in 1995? And uh, what, what, would we do, what would we have done? It would have been a lot more difficult. You would have been stuck um, in your homes without the ability to kind of connect with your church family in anywhere near as meaningful or easy way. And of course, it's not just uh, when church gets shut down by COVID, it continues to be a, a blessing to us now. Uh, and there's all many aspects of life where technology and computers and the internet have, have simplified and made life better. But of course, uh, technology and in particular the internet, it's greatest service to humanity, uh, greater than connecting us, greater than making our lives easier, is the way it has revealed our hearts. And the internet has shown us that we are an angry people. Just go to this website called Twitter or the comments section on any article that you read on a news website and anger spews forth from the mouth of everyone. We are so angry. It's like the computer screen and the keyboard uh, have freed us from any sense of needing to be nice to each other and uh, we can just go full ball uh, mad at people who think differently to us, who have different beliefs, different opinions, and away we go, angry, angry, angry. And of course, we love this new world that we live in where our hearts are, are revealed, where now we can just become increasingly polarised, so we can yell at each other across divides and never seek to find common ground. We can live in echo chambers where we're not angry at each other, we're just angry at everyone else. We should say thank you to technology, thank you to the internet for showing us that the seven deadly sins are alive and well today. And as we consider the sin of anger or wrath, we see uh, just how full of it we can be. One commentator, Henry Farley, says, wrath or anger is the love of justice perverted into the desire for revenge and for the injury of someone else. Justice is the proclaimed motive for every manifestation of wrath. And I think if you think about that, you kind of see that playing out on the internet, don't you? That uh, we want to be a, a just and righteous people and we are f our anger is fuelled by that as we seek to take down anyone we deem to be unjust by our own definitions. There's a lot of justice being called for on the angry internet. But as we consider anger uh, as Christians today, 
Uh, I guess the first thing we have to ask is, though we can see uh, its uh, ill effects, its, the way it's polarising us, the way it's causing us to potentially treat other human beings as less than, than valuable, we have to actually ask ourselves, obviously that's not really very good, but is anger in itself actually a sin? Or is it, is it, is, can it be a good? Is anger good or bad? Is, it, is anger actually okay if it's for the right reason? Like, is one half of the internet righteously anger and the other half sinfully angry? Is there a place for what some have maybe termed holy discontent? Can we be righteously anger or is anger actually just something that reveals our disordered hearts? Is anger good or bad? Well, Christians have argued about whether anger is good or bad for a long time. And of course, we can understand that it is possible for anger to be good, that we can see a wrong and injustice and uh, we can get angry about it. The, the world shouldn't be like this. That person shouldn't have to suffer like that. And our, our anger at that situation can motivate us into action. But it can very easily turn into something bad, can't it? Anger can often be a, a, a based on things that are not about justice. Uh, if we think about the week uh, in our world that's just gone, let me uh, turn, turn your minds to the, the biggest news story of the week. And I think the biggest news story of the week was Megan and Harry and their interview with Oprah. And what we see in our angry world is that basically uh, the only really response that we can have apparently to that, uh, or there's three responses, there's mine, which is I literally do not care, and then uh, there's um, the other responses which are I'm really angry at the royal family for being racist or I'm really angry at Megan and Harry for being disloyal to the royal family. And so we, we see that, neither, that there's, there's all this great anger at these things that uh, apparently matter a lot. Or we see the, the, the way that anger dehumanises, uh, and this one a little more close to home, when we... Uh, sit down in a, in a, inside a vehicle that takes us forward, also known as a car, and suddenly uh, anger dehumanises all the other people who have, who have sat inside similar vehicles. And they've all, all the other people in these vehicles have become fools who don't know how to drive, apart from you, who is the, the, the best and the most righteous of all drivers. It's amazing how many uh, idiots there are on the road out there, apart from in my car. So anger can be bad, right, when it dehumanises, but it can be good when it actually is about uh, what we see as some other injustice dehumanising. But does that make it okay? As we consider whether anger is actually good or bad or a virtue or a vice, the first place I think we need to go is to God. And of course... What we see with God is God is angry. God has wrath. So I'll read to you from some scriptures. Ezekiel 25, 17. 
uh, where we're told that God will carry out great vengeance on them and punish them in my wrath. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I take vengeance on them. Or Nahum, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 to 6. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. The mountains quake before him and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence. Uh, The world and all who live in it, who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. That's an angry God. Unless we think, oh, well, Old Testament, Chris. John 15, 6. Jesus says that if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. You don't stay with Jesus, he says, you're going to be thrown away and burned. Or Romans 1.18, and in fact the whole sort of first half of Romans talking about how we need Jesus because the wrath of God uh, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness and then fast forward to the the end revelation talks about what happens when God returns uh, with, with his righteous judgment and wrath at the sinfulness of humanity Revelation 19, starting at verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepresses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a, it's a little bit scary actually isn't it this picture of the judgment of God the wrath of God that comes to those who are outside his saving power in Jesus Christ and we talk more about that and we talk about that a a, a lot more but for today we see that for God who has perfect motives perfect in his justice uh, he has this justified anger which is completely and utterly proportionate to the wrong which has occurred, the wrong against his name and his glory. So for God, who is perfect, his anger is perfectly justified, perfectly proportional. And Jesus, when he comes to earth as a man, expresses, I guess, uh, perfect anger as well. So... Uh, as 
uh, one scholar reflects on Jesus and anger, he says this, smite Jesus on the cheek and he turns you the other, slap the dignity of the house of prayer, however, and he turns over a table. So he's referencing Jesus' ethic there, isn't he? So it's love of enemy, but when uh, the things of when the, when God is offended, uh, then it, it, it's a it's a it's a righteous and just response, uh, as we read when He turns over the temple. So again, we see uh, proportionate and justified anger. God the Father, rightfully full of wrath and anger at, at human sin, and Jesus practicing sinless anger as the perfect man. So, it seems that there are cases where anger can be right, justified, good. And as the scriptures move on to to instruct us in our uh, operation of anger, uh, it does seem that we can disconnect anger from sin. So, let me read to you from Ephesians 4.26. Paul says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So there's a lot of capacity for sin and a lot of warning about anger here in this verse, but it it does seem to imply that in your anger, do not sin. That is, it is possible for us to be like Jesus, uh, to have right, rightfully targeted, good anger, completely proportionate to the thing that we are angry about. And Thomas Aquinas uh, takes this view. He says that we can have good anger when we have right motives, when we are driven by a passionate devotion to that which is good and we find that thing that is good threatened by something. And uh, when we have this good and righteous anger, we are motivated to fight to, to, to work for justice uh, and we do so in a way that's proportionate to the, to the ill. Anger can motivate us to fight but of course we're not called to fight angry, we're called to fight the good fight, using anger to serve the good cause, not the cause to serve our anger. That's a vital distinction, isn't it? Because in our anger we must not sin, to quote Paul again in Ephesians 4. We're called not to vent, so it's not like, oh, I'm okay. it's okay that I'm really mad about this because it's a just thing. No, 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 it's to motivate us to, to action. When anger is good, it expresses our passion for justice and our love for others, which of course makes anger extremely difficult and tricky to get right and almost always something that needs to be carefully examined before we start to justify it. Especially when we consider what else the Bible says about anger in the New Testament as it's applied to the Christian life. So, for example, I've got one verse about how it seems like we can, um, it's possible to disconnect anger from sin. Let Let me read you some more verses about how that's not possible at all. Paul says, avoid sin. And then he lists some sins. Galatians 5.20, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, 
Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Colossians 3.8, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. It seems pretty clear that uh, Paul's not interested in disconnecting uh, anger from sin and trying to justify it. He's saying, get rid of it. It may be possible, but it's unlikely. And in fact, we have a, a little bit more of some practical tips from Paul in, in Romans 12 in our reading today, don't we? Where actually he says uh, that instead of uh, being angry, we are to bless those who persecute us, to not repay evil for evil, but to do what is right, to live at peace with everyone, to not take revenge, but to trust God and his justice. Trust God and overcome evil with good, Paul says in Romans 12. And so when we take those lists of sins and Paul's encouragement to us in Romans 12, I think what we uh, find is that it's a rare circumstance where we can justify our anger. See, the human heart wants to justify sin, right? And so when I start and say, it's possible that anger can be good, our hearts will naturally go, ah, excellent. I can, I'm glad I don't need to repent of the time I got angry yesterday. But of course, it's unlikely that you happen to have done it right, completely proportionate, completely justified, and uh, without seeking to harm someone else, seeking their love and their, uh, seeking to love them well. James says of anger, in James chapter 1, verse 20, that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. That is... It is very hard to control uh, and not lead to sin. It, it's theoretically possible, but it's highly improbable. And Jesus himself warns us against anger. Matthew 5.22, I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Anger at another, Jesus says, will lead to judgment. So we don't just get to stay angry. To get, we don't just get to go around saying mean stuff about other people under the guise of justice. We have to sort it out. Anger is not to be a perpetual state but rather something that we seek to use uh, to bring about justice and love of neighbour. The Bible tells us a lot about the sin of anger. And it tells us mostly to turn away from it, to put it to death. Because it's far too easy for this deep uh, emotion to become something which serves ourselves and dehumanises others. And when all those scriptures that I've read are taken into account and as people reflect, uh, you, get a, you get a large proportion of, of Christian thought where people say, like, it, let's just, let's, uh, it, theoretically possible maybe, but let's just go with anger's a bad idea. And Dallas Willard says, there is nothing that can be done with anger 
that cannot be done better without it. So is anger good or is it bad? Well, it's not that easy. The capital vices, the seven deadly sins, these are the results, right, of disordered love in our heart. And anger is right when our heart loves God, uh, loves uh, to do his will on earth and seeks uh, and sees the injustices of this world tarnished by sin. But it is wrong and very dangerous when it is motivated by love of self, desire for control, desire to get what we want. And my reflections to you today, uh, before you go and say, ha, I'm in category one of good anger, you're probably not. Anger is not in and of itself wrong, but it is so volatile and dangerous when mixed with sin that it's highly likely that when you were last angry, it was the source, not, it was sourced not from injustice, but from a heart with disordered loves. Tim Keller says that when we feel our most intense negative emotions, like anger, these occasions and emotions indicate places where we guard our deepest attachments to world desires and the most significant sources of our identity. The Desert Fathers notice this too, right? They notice that uh, anger is so powerful that it's become so easily twisted and so they sought to, to get rid of it entirely. Anger reveals our idolatrous attachments, our prideful sense of self. Even if we agree that theoretically anger can be good, getting rid of all anger is, the most, uh, is, is most of the time the right advice. Well, just in case you're not convinced that your anger is sin yet, uh, and in fact your anger is, is the justifiable kind, let me ask you to consider these three ways that anger uh, tends to work itself out badly. The first is we anger too easily. So you think your anger is justified, well think about how easy you got angry and what you got angry over. It's likely that you flew off the handle about nothing, something highly insignificant. It's unlikely that that was the source of a deep justice, injustice in this world. We often can be too easily angered. We often can show too much anger. To go back to my analogy from the start of road rage, it's highly disproportionate, isn't it, to start yelling at a random stranger who... who cut three seconds off your trip to work because they merged, uh, they thought they were in a zip merge lane. I, I mean, I'm not talking from experience. Or we hold our anger for too long. You're still bitter and twisted about that thing that someone did some time ago. You're not talking to someone years later. And it's interesting that uh, uh, people who've reflected on, on resentment say that when we have uh, a, an anger, something that's made us angry in the past and we've held on to it and, and it's become something that is now filling us with resentment, that the, our resentment 
will distort the truthfulness of our memory. And so we'll look back on the thing and it's about 450 times worse than the thing really was. And so it makes the whole, the whole situation even worse. Unfortunately, I've been involved in too many cases uh, uh, where I've been uh, ministering to families in death, uh, so death of a family member, and the family has been dislocated due to resentment, anger at past sin. And I can tell you that in, in, it's not in every case, but in, in most of the cases where that has been something that I have encountered, there is nothing but regret that the anger wasn't dealt with, that the resentment wasn't put to aside. And when we're too easily angered and disproportionately angered and we hold on for it too, too, too long, well, then it's just a nightmare. So instead of justifying our anger, let's treat anger as an invitation to deep reflection and humility. And I want to tell you a story now about me this week preparing this sermon uh, and trying to do this. Okay, so earlier in the week, I got an email from the bishop and he, in it, he was replying to an email that I'd sent him which said, Dear Bishop, I am going to be on holidays in April, so I'm going to miss uh, Ministry Leaders Training Day. Very sorry, but these are the things that, ha that but, but, you know, but I'm sorry, but that's, I can't do anything about it. And he wrote back to me a few weeks later, which happened to be this week, saying, Chris, I'm very disappointed that you're not going to be there. Uh, I understand that you need to take holidays, but, you know, we only have these meetings, uh, you know, very rarely, and they're really important, and I'm really disappointed that you can't be there. Now, I read that email, and I thought, doesn't he understand how hard I work? Doesn't he understand how difficult it is as a minister to take a holiday? What is his problem? Uh, anyway, and I was getting a little bit annoyed, so I rang him and said, look, hey, Richard, I just want to talk to you because I'm, I'm a, I, I, you've sent me this email. And, and he thought that I was ringing him because I, he, I thought I was in trouble. But as we talked, I was like, no, no, I'm ringing you because I'm angry at you and I want to talk to you about it rather than the whole world. Uh, anyway, we had a little call and it was all fine. It was a total misunderstanding and we moved on. Then I'm preparing this sermon and I think, when was the last time I got angry? Oh, it was about that email. What was going on? Why... Like, why did I get angry? And of course, my first instance was because a great wrong had occurred to me where the bishop didn't think I took my job seriously enough. And it was completely a completely proportionate response. I thought this had happened, and then when I found out, I got over it. But as I thought about it a little more, I realised that no, I wasn't proportionately angry about the, a great injustice. I'm proud. And I care too much about what in, people I deem important think about me. And what was, had made me angry was the fact that I felt that my reputation had decreased in someone who I had deemed to be important. my heart too attached to my reputation and so there was anger and so I used my anger to, 
to try and diagnose what was going on in my heart. And that was interesting. I never would have got there if I hadn't been thinking about the sin of anger, it's like that. I would have just moved on and just been like, ah, you know, people should learn to email better. Um, But instead, I took the time to actually think about what's going on in my heart and I realised the problem was with me. And so I want to invite you to do the same thing. Let me tell you, when I I thought, when I was doing this, uh, it was fascinating to me to learn what was really going on in my heart. Like, not fascinating good, fascinating like, wow, I didn't really realise that. I took the time uh, with these capital vices to actually uncover what was going on in my heart. And I want you to do the same. Let me encourage you to ask yourself uh, questions when you're angry. Questions like, what is really going on for me when I get when my when I find myself feeling angry? What is uh, what is it that my heart loves? What is it that I am actually angry about? Is it a great injustice, or is it your pride? And how are you expressing your anger with love for your neighbour? with vengeful disregard for others. And as you ask yourself those questions and and ask God to help you to answer them, seek to cultivate and pray for a gentle and humble heart because this is how you do anger well, with a gentle and humble heart. Jesus says that this is what his heart was like. He calls us to come to him in Matthew 11, 29, And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It is a gentleness of spirit and a humility in our hearts that allows us to stop, to realise we're not always right, and to ask God to show us where it is that we need to repent. As we cultivate a gentleness of spirit, as we seek to grow our trust in God and his judgment, that we find ourselves freed from needing to sort it all out ourselves. Go to Jesus. Seek his gentle and humble heart. Seek his spirit to grow that in you and reflect on your anger. Put it to death. And on the rare occasion it's it's justified and proportionate, Put it to use to love your neighbour, to see justice done. Amen.